airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you for joining us. We really, really do appreciate it. Um, we appreciate your response to the topics that we discuss mm-hmm. and um, that type of engagement. I think being able to warn the body of Christ is so critical in the moment that we're in. Yeah. And so thank you so much, not only for listening, but also for sharing the podcast and for making your friends and your family aware of what is going on. Um, you know, there's this kind of cliche communication. People, you know, speak in terms of, finding their voice and and things like your voice is never lost at all. When you read the word of God, Hmm. you know exactly what you are to say. You know exactly how you are to say it. And we can trust the Holy spirit that he will quicken us, that he will illuminate our understanding and that he will give us the boldness that we need to stand in our, in our generation or to stand in our day. And so I want to encourage you to continue reading the word of God. Um, You will be wiser than your teachers. Certainly you will outsmart your enemies. You read the word of God. Um, I am, and 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 we say this, and and I don't say this as any type of um, false humility. I, and I, I wish that false humility were not a thing. I wish that there were only just genuine humility where <laughs> we recognize who we are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because if you really recognize who you are, um, all of us should be quite humbled. But Will the Great and I, every day when we are on the air in this time slot, we are talking to you mm-hmm. um, like the average follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. So we're not coming with a bunch of letters behind our names. We're not coming with a bunch of numbers and distinctions, nor do we feel we need those things to defend the bride. Right. Right. Um, We simply need to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as such, we will defend the truth. We will defend the church and we're going to tell the truth. Amen. So um, I hope that the encouragement, I hope you walk away going, if Will and Miki can talk about that, <laughs> yeah, and and, and, right? and and this too, you know, my heart is, and I know this is yours, that we're not even coming to, trying to come across as know-it-alls or, or celebrities. No, not you know, at all. This is family. We are in the That's family right. of God, and so you know, as God shows us different things, we want, we desire to 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 share it. You know, yep, and to strengthen the body because, uh, quite honestly, as the days grow you know, on and on that we, we have to be solidified as the body of Christ and Amen. we're going to have to be together, you know, in one accord and understanding the times and what's going on. And so it's important, you know, for us that, man, we're speaking as representatives of the body of Christ and, you know, and, and speaking the truth of God's word. Amen. Amen. And and I will tell you, if up until this point, your allegiance has been to anyone or anything over and above Uh, the word of God and the church for which Christ died, uh, then I encourage you now is the time to change that. Now Mm. is the time to make your greatest allegiance, your greatest affiliation, that of the body of Christ and and being affiliated with 
the church and being associated with the church, let that be your highest distinction, that you are a Christian, that you are a follower of the way. And so everything that you do and everything that you say is filtered through that first. Mm -hmm. Now, you may have all kinds of other distinctions that come after that. Right. Yeah. Okay. You're a wife. You're a mom. You know, all of these things. Mm -hmm. But first and foremost, you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the positions that you take in culture must be determined by that fact. That's first. That's your ultimate identity. And we have gotten it wrong. The church has gotten it wrong repeatedly because that has been the afterthought for our engagement. Mm. You understand? Mm-hmm. We take our stance based on all kinds of other things. And then we say, Oh, and, and by the way, um, you know, I, I also happen to be a Christian. No, your first, your position is determined by that first and foremost. Yes. That's, that's how you live. And so that's our encouragement today. We'll continue with our discussion from yesterday. Um, we acknowledge publicly that they almost got us. They <laughs> did. They all, man, they almost got us. It just shows how cunning, these people are to get you using terms, man. It's so slick, right? It's so mm-hmm. slick. And uh, you have to be very discerning and you have to trust the Holy Spirit uh, to really lead you. And and that's the luxury. Actually, it's not a luxury. It's a necessity. That's the necessity that we have in the body of Christ to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. So today we double back to that, um, declaring again that we will not be conformed. Yesterday we came from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I want to look again. At verse two, Romans chapter 12, verse two. And the reason I want to look at that is because I want to take a closer look at this word conformed. And in light of what we're talking about, when we say that we will not be conformed, we have a specific meaning. And we mean what Paul meant when he wrote this to the Romans. We mean what the Holy Spirit meant when he gave it to Paul mm. to write to the Romans this. So when we say we will not be conformed, what we mean. So if you look at this word and, and let me just read it just for the, for the sake of our audience today so that we can all kind of be refreshed on it. Romans chapter 12, verse two says, do not be conformed to this world. I'm going to read that again. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern What is the will of God? (laughs) What is good and acceptable and perfect that by testing you may discern. So this word conformed, um, when you look it up, the the Greek transliteration of this word is suske matizo, suske matizo, right? And it means identified with having outward shape (laughs) Hmm. properly. It means assuming a similar outward form or expression by following the same pattern, Mm. model, or mold. Wow. It's like becoming that thing. So by (laughs) definition, it means that something has been carved out and you assume that shape. Mm. All right? (laughs) You have not carved it out. Something has been carved out. There is a mold, all right? There is a model. There is a pattern. And then you are following it. But what does the Apostle Paul say? He says, don't be conformed to this world. Mm -hmm. In other words, don't take the shape of this world. Mm -hmm. Don't take the outward form of this world. Don't express yourself like this world. Don't follow the patterns of this world. And it's interesting because this same word conformed here is used in our brother Peter's letter in his his first letter. 
uh, first Peter chapter one, verse 14, where he's calling the church to be holy. Mm. <laughs> he's calling the church to be distinct and he's calling the church to be set apart. Man, I just, you have to love the word of God, right? And so that's, th there is a, there is a contrast that is made here mm -hmm. that you are to be holy. And so in other words, don't be conformed to the world, be holy. And this is what Peter writes in first Peter chapter one, verse 14. And the Bible says as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. And mm. I'm going to continue with 15 and 16. Okay. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Mm. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So what is required of the church living in 21st century America today is for us to be distinct, for us to not be found taking the form and the shape of this world, using their terminology, showing up at their events, doing the things that they are doing, right? Like, as Will often says, kissing the ring, <laughs> getting, getting the hall pass, okay? These are all of the things that are expected of people who are living in this world without a shepherd. That's why Jesus looked at those who were lost and had compassion on them because what does it mean to not to be sheep without a shepherd? You have no protection. You have no lines of defense, right? But we are not like that. We do have protection. Yeah. We do yeah. have lines of defense. Yeah. We don't have to be conformed to the patterns of this world. We don't have to take the shape of what is laid out for us in this world. So to that end, yesterday, I said, and I think, I think we're on the same page here, but I, I strongly encourage people to consider whether or not they will continue to fall into the trap of being compelled to say black lives matter and then follow it up with, uh, but all lives matter. Mm -hmm. Right. Because the saying that all lives matter is an attempt to distinguish what you've just said from the organization. Black lives matter. Right. But what I'm strongly suggesting to you is that it's all one and the same right now in our culture. Mm. There is not a distinction made by the organization. There's not a distinction made by its adherents. There's not a distinction made by people who are out marching in the streets, showing up, protesting in front of churches. We're going to talk about that. There is not a distinction. What we are talking about is a type of social conditioning whereby you've got to prove who you are. And so you've got to say the things that are expected of you to say to prove that you're worthy to exist in this culture. I'm done with that. I'm done with that. So when I say Black Lives Matter, I'm talking about Black Lives Matter organization. You may hear me say BLM. I'm talking about the organization. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the organization that's making bank from big businesses. Man. They're Man. making bank from big businesses by being organized terrorists. <laughs> and I got to And I look, I, you know, I'm gonna tell you, this is, this is where it just gets real. I, I really hate the fact. I hate the fact that the color of my skin and what would be considered a cultural affiliation right now is connected to this type of terrorism in the United States of America. Mm. That's embarrassing to me. That's embarrassing to me. So nobody is done any favors and nobody is serviced by anybody trying to be pious and say, well, but you know, we know that black lives matter. No, what you need to do is take some of the legitimacy out of it and stop saying it. That's what you need to do. Because when we got little eight year old girls being shot because their parents 
breach a perimeter. We got people who are protecting terrorists in their own cities. Lance Bottoms of Atlanta. But Jenny Durkin Mm -hmm. of Seattle also has blood on her hands, too. (laughs) And, And she can pretend she can pretend like she shut down CHOP because of the murder that happened there may have been more than one or several. Certainly there were several shootings there. Mm-hmm. She can pretend like she shut it down for that fact, but no, really she shut it down because her house became a place of protest because people passed by her house at the direction of a councilwoman. Yep. That's she didn't. She's it was, it was like, wait a minute. No, no, no. <laughs> um, don't release the crack in this way. Right. <laughs> right. These people, they don't care about innocent people. They are wicked people. I'm telling you. They are wicked people. And I grieve for the state and the condition of the church that we don't have the kind of discernment to be able to see that we're so driven by our emotions that we're looking for a cause. Mm. We're looking, we're looking for something else. It's like, mm, no, not the cause of Christ. Is there anything else? That's what we're, we're at the wrecks looking for something to mm. give us meaning and significance in our lives. And you're sliding hangers over. And so now interstage far left, Black Lives Matter. And everybody's trying to get that in their size and put it up on the conveyor belt for purchase. (laughs) That's where we are. Everybody's getting that. Everybody's donning their apparel. And you speak out against it, and then they say that you're racist. You speak out against it, and they say that you're hateful. Well, you know, I mean, you can define it however you want. I've already broken down to you why I'm not saying that anymore. I've already broken down to you how that is a type of mind control. That is social conditioning. That is how they won in the 90s with the homosexual agenda, which, by the way, I did not get to reading a lot of what I wanted to read to you from after the ball. And I'm going to do it today because it's so important for us to see that we have been here before. We have been here before and the success came at the expense of the church telling the truth. So are we going to do that again? Are we are we going to do that again in the 21st century? We did in the 20th century. Are we going to do it again in the 21st century? Give up ground to radicals because we don't know what our identity is, that we are now in Christ and therefore no longer to be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can test and discern and know what is good. Know what God's will is for us. All right, we'll grab the break. We come back. We'll pick up with a little bit from after the ball and then look at some of the current events articles. Um, We hope that you'll stay close. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We appreciate our brother Richard, who is over in Studio CC. Um, look, thank you, Richard. We appreciate you. We'll see. We'll try to get to some calls. Um, I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Toby Mackwood. I just need you. Richard knows me. He's like, that's Miki. It's fine. Like, you, you understand, right? But thank you so much. Um, yesterday, we started talking about uh, the book After the Ball. This book was authored and uh, published in 1989. 
and um, subtitled how they're how well I have it in front of me. Let me just read the subtitle <laughs> and try to do from memory. How America will conquer its fear and hatred of gays in the nineties. Uh, it was based off a 1987 article that was written um, and uh, by two men who understand what it is to manipulate and to control, hmm. understand how the human mind works, understands how we socially interact with each other. And the reason I'm I'm toggling back to this book is because I want you to see where we are now in light of where we were in the 90s, but didn't perceive it. We're hmm. not discerning. And so we got caught up in being manipulated and we got caught up in seeing ourselves in such a way that we spent, you know, what, a decade, maybe two, where we were just apologizing for being the church. Mm. We were apologizing right. for the faith that had been handed down to us repeatedly. That's what we did. That's what we did. We are sorry for the holiness that the Lord requires. We're sorry that the word of God is our highest authority. <laughs> we're sorry mm. that this is what mm -hmm. we believe. We're sorry. And, and that's that's what we spent 10, 20 years doing. And there was great success garnered as a result of that. And so now here we are again, mm -hmm. where what are we going to do? Should the Lord tarry? What are we going to do? Spend the next 10, 20 years again, apologizing for being Christians, apologizing that the word of God is our standard. And so then once, because once you're done apologizing, what you then do is move into action. Mm. You start affirming. Yeah. Confirming. Becoming ordaining. allies. Ordaining. You see? <laughs> right. Allies. Right. You become allies. Oh, come on. You're trying to trigger me. That's what you do. Once you're done with all the apologies, then you have to start with the proof that you have truly been transformed. Right. That's that's it. But but not not according to God's standard. Mm -hmm. You've been transformed or actually you've been conformed to the world. Right. So that's what's next. That's what's coming up the pike in this phase of the movement to take down the church in America. That's what's next. We're, once once everybody starts uh, stops apologizing. And once companies stop throwing money in this direction, what then happens is there's got to be action that follows. Mm. Right. So and, and again, remember, BLM cares nothing about people with a certain skin color and nothing about actual oppression. Nothing about justice. BLM cares nothing about justice. Please understand that they are Marxist to the core. Their desire and their aims are to overthrow this country. And what's the, the, the last thing, really, the last entity, if you will, standing in the way of that is the church. It's the church. The final that's frontier. it. <laughs> All right. That's it. Yep. It's not politics. No. <laughs> it's, mm -mm. it's not politics, guys. It's not, it's not the educational system. It's not institutes of higher learning. Those have already toppled. They have fallen. All right. If we're talking about the long march that Gramsci talked about, then where we are right now is literally, this is interesting, but we are literally talking about being at the doors of the church. That's, That's right. the last thing that has to fall. And that should be a, an alarm sounding in our hearts as Christians to be vigilant, to, to cling to the word of God, you know, and the truth of God, because this is where it's headed. It's coming right to the, the, the front step of the church. We want to be on literally. the pulpit, shutting it down because yes. that the spirit, the Holy Spirit, you know, which convicts men of sin. They can't have that around. Like, that's like, no, we don't want to hear that. That has to be right. silenced. Right. There, there cannot be any standard, right? There cannot be any moral law giver. Hmm. 
It has got to be, and again, sliding scale is far too generous for what we're talking about right now because it, 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 it kind of assumes that there's a line that the sliding scale is sliding back and forth on, but it's not. It's just all over the place. It's whatever you want. We, we are already at the point, and, and again, I'm going to go to the book after the ball here because I want you to hear it, and, and I want you to look at the parallels for today. Look at the strategy. What was the strategy to wage peace, quote-unquote, right, this mental attack on the American people, and actually, I would say on the church, because as you'll hear from some of these excerpts, you'll hear that the aim is to remove any thoughts about the morality or mm. immorality of homosexuality. <laughs> yeah. It cannot be thought of as a sin. So that means that you have trained your sights on the church. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, so here we go. This is from the book After the Ball. Again, the following passages, think of this in light of where we are today. And where this is kind of a follow-up to what we talked about yesterday. After the Ball, the strategy of waging peace. And they this section is eight practical principles for the persuasion of straits. Listen to this. Generally speaking, I'm quoting here from the book. Generally speaking, the most effective propaganda for our cause must succeed in doing three things at once. Employ images that desensitize, jam, or convert bigots on an emotional level. This is by far the most important task. Have you had your emotions played on? <laughs> have you had your emotions tugged? Have, have, you begin, have you begun to call into question whether or not you're given to partiality and you, you hadn't really thought that way before? Remember, because what this movement is saying to you right now is that if you do not submit, then you are racist, their terms. If you don't feel a sense of guilt for who you are, things over which you have no control, then you don't understand what it is to be woke. Number two, challenge homo-hating beliefs and actions on a not-too-intellectual level. Remember, the rational message serves to camouflage our underlying emotional appeal, even as it pairs away the surrounding latticework of beliefs that rationalize bigotry. In other words, don't make this too intellectual a discussion. <laughs> we need to play on people's emotions. Feelings. So that's why when we bring mm. in facts about it being open season on black men, they're like, no, 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 we don't want to hear about that. Mm. We don't want to hear about the statistics. Now you're getting too intellectual. We just want pictures and images of people being shot. We want wow. pictures and images of people being beaten. Guys, this is straight out of the playbook. We don't want numbers. Man. We don't want facts. You're getting into the realm of intellect and I, there. And I tell you, I had that happened to me when I posted one time on Facebook about the actual numbers of police shootings mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Someone mm -hmm. told me, man, I see all your numbers and stuff, but you just don't sound empathetic. Like, you don't have empathy. <laughs> where's it your, just where comes your feelings? off like you don't have empathy. Where are your wow. feelings? And I don't want to get too far ahead, but look, you know what the feelings do? The feelings allow allow for us to be desensitized. And, and this is what After the Ball calls for. It calls for desensitization. So where you don't even care about what's going on, you don't have to necessarily approve of it, but you just come to accept it as reality. That was the homosexual agenda, right? But think about that in terms of where we are now. And I'm going to get to this third point here. But think about it in terms of where we are now. You don't have to be for the rioting. You don't have to be 
for the terrorism that's happening in our country, really all you have to do is just be so incapacitated that you don't say anything. Mm. You don't speak out against it. You don't because you don't have to be on my side, but just don't challenge me. Mm. Just don't say anything again. This is straight oh out of after the goodness. ball. This is straight out of after the ball. So you you don't have to show up and even march. Mm-hmm. You don't have to order your shirt, but just don't say. But nothing. you better not say anything against this. Mm. And so, what wow. does it actually look like? It looks like a tacit approval. It looks like, oh, it's okay. Just let, just let people who are hurting and have no other recourse express. Let them do what they're going to do. Wow. Which, which in, which in my opinion, is some of the, the most bigoted postures I've seen among people. That there is no other expression that can come from black people in America than to tear things down and to burn things up and to spray paint and graffiti. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. That, that, that is so condescending. There's nothing else that they can do. That's it. Mm-hmm. And nobody's supposed to say anything about that. Why? Because you've been conditioned. You're, we're in this phase right now. This is happening right now in this country. Here's number three. Gain access to the kinds of public media that would automatically confer legitimacy upon these messages Mm. and therefore upon their gay sponsors. Let me read it to you again. This is (laughs) out of the playbook after the ball. Gain access to the kinds of public media that would automatically confer legitimacy upon these messages and therefore upon their gay sponsors to be accepted by the most prestigious media, such as network television. Our messages themselves will have to be, at least initially, both subtle in purpose and crafty in construction. At first, it's got to be subtle in purpose. So what's the subtlety surrounding BLM? Oh, my goodness, black people cannot just be killed indiscriminately. And everybody says, here, here, we agree. And then what, what they, the crafty part of it is, but also everything under the LGBTQ plus QIA banner gets to come along. Mm. And we have no use for facts, just emotions. We don't care if a person is guilty. We don't care if a person is an aggressor against a law enforcement officer. All we need to do is show a law enforcement officer discharging his weapon. Wait, no, no, not discharging his weapon against someone white. No, please stop. (laughs) No, it's got to be a white law enforcement officer discharging his weapon against a black suspect. And that's the message that we want pumped into homes all across this country. That's what we want coming up in people's social media feeds. And they see it. And they're so incapacitated, they can't even think straight. They're sick of it. It's open season. And now they hate everyone. They hate law enforcement. And the ridiculous call to defund law enforcement, adversely affecting the neighborhoods who most need it, we don't even cry out that that's illogical. Mm. We just say, yes, do it, do it, do it. Take them out. Those people have. Like, yep, they sure do. We'll take care of them. Take out the law enforcement. These are our neighborhoods. (laughs) And every person who knows what I mean, you know what I mean. Don't play. Don't play. So you're supposed to keep quiet. You're not supposed to talk about it. That's a victory of the Marxist. That's a victory of the organizer. That's not by accident. That's by design. So when you see these people on CNN, 
When you see these people on Fox News and they're being interviewed as if they have a legitimate movement, but they're talking about, yeah, man, we got to tear it down. We got to burn it up. You watch that and you think this is a real organization that we, this is, and it is a real organization, but the kind of legitimacy that they're after is not what you think. Right. It's that, well, listen, look at the kind of airplay we're getting. Look at the people who are listening to us now. Look at the companies hmm. that are giving to us Man. now. And we're, as Christians, supposed to walk around saying black lives matter. And, and, but we're supposed to also, in parenthetical citation, say as a sentiment. But you don't have enough space and characters for that. <laughs> they don't, they don't care if you long. say that. That's why on Face the Nation, it was like, forget about all of the political stuff. Can mm. you, will you just say it? Will you just say it? <laughs> Because they understand the power of this affiliation and what mm. it means, what the express goals and objectives of this organization really are. Again, from the book, uh, After the Ball, talking about the, uh, the general principles. This is page 177. Uh, the third principle here, and I'll, just, I'll begin reading it, and you'll just hear it as it all comes out. All right, here we go. The third principle in our recipe for desensitizing ambivalent skeptics, that is, for helping straights view homosexuality with neutrality, with neutrality, <laughs> rather than keen hostility. At least at the outset, we seek desensitization and nothing more. That's all we want. That's all we want. We want this to become normal. OK, you're not going to make people love you and celebrate what you're doing. That's down the line, which, again, remember, this is written in the 90s. So look at where we are today. And, and, and it has happened. Mm -hmm. It has happened. But the initial aim was desensitization, where people are just kind of indifferent, like they don't care one way or the other. And, and so here we are now where we normalize that people can occupy different areas and cities in this country. Wow. And we're like, well, that's just how things are now. Wow. That's just, we're, that's normal to us. Mm. My friend, that is, there, there is something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. Back to this book. You can forget about, you can forget about trying right up front to persuade folks that homosexuality is a good thing. But if you can get them to think that it's just another thing, <laughs> meriting no more than a shrug of the shoulders, then your battle for legal and social rights is virtually won. Mm. You don't need people to initially think it's a good thing. You just need them to think it's another thing. There's something I don't really know about or I don't care. It doesn't affect me. I mean, I don't care. So what you're supposed to do now, you're supposed to think that what you see happening in big cities all across this country, you're supposed to believe that that's just how black people express themselves. That's just normal. That must be what happens in the hood every day. That must that must just be normal. There are no other words. What you're what you're actually witnessing is a, a, a transferal where once it was considered white fragility, it has turned into black fragility. Because where once you had a group of people who were poised and who were actually on the receiving end of injustice enshrined into law, but still marched with more dignity than what we're seeing today has turned into black fragility where we're so triggered that we got to tear this stuff down. We got to burn this stuff up. We got to shoot eight year old girls. 
I mean, that, that must be the epitome of white power, right? Where you are so influential that you can pass on your fragility to a whole group of people. Ah! <laughs> That's what is coming from white liberals. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio will be right back. They trying to turn your little boy into a princess and they ain't even gave him a chance to be a prince yet. They sick agenda telling you to let him clip his member. He can't even pick his bedtime, but he could pick his gender. They say that I ain't woke. I say they ignorant. They ignorant. See, I remember how the pilgrims did the Indians. Remember, they ain't attack them, they befriended them, gave them blankets full of diseases and ended them. Many see the slogan Black Lives Matter, or BLM, as a noble plea for equal treatment under the law. It's a cry to secure the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for everyone. But what does the Black Lives Matter organization actually stand for? To find out, look no further than their leaders, Alicia Garza, Opal Tometi, and Patrice Cullors. Here's Cullors in a revealing 2015 interview. We actually do have an ideological frame. Um, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we uh, are trained Marxists. Visit the Black Lives Matter website and read the list of demands to get a sense of how deep a transformation they seek. One of those demands proclaims, quote, we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another. We can't be certain, but it's hard to believe this radical agenda is what most signed up for when they made that hashtag Black Lives Matter social media post, or that every employee customer or shareholder at Nike endorses a disruption of the family. Garza first coined the phrase in 2013, the day George Zimmerman was acquitted of murdering Trayvon Martin. Her friend Colors added the hashtag and joined the words so it could travel through social media. Tometi created the digital platform blacklivesmatter.com. According to Robert Stilson of the Capital Research Center, the group became a self-styled global network in 2014 and a fiscally sponsored project of a separate progressive nonprofit in 2016. This evolution has helped embolden an agenda vastly more ambitious than a national defunding of police. The goals of the Black Lives Matter organization go far beyond what most people think. They're hiding in plain sight, there for the world to see, if only we read beyond the slogans and the summaries of the movement they helped to create. It's a distinction with a profound difference. Their radical Marxist agenda is bent on supplanting the basic building blocks of society, the family, replacing it with the state, and destroying the economic system that has lifted more people from poverty than any other. Theirs is a blueprint for misery, not justice. It must be rejected. Hmm. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. So thankful to the Heritage Foundation for <laughs> taking so much information and compiling it into one short video clip. We'll put a link to that video clip 
in the show notes. You get the podcast. You can click on that and be able to find it so you can share it so people can see it. I know so often people are looking for succinct ways to communicate their objections and um, videos serve a wonderful purpose uh, in, in being able to, to help you do that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm Miki. And I'm Will. Um, we're talking about where we are right now and uh, the call is for us to not be conformed uh, to what is happening in this world. We cannot be forced uh, to say certain things. We cannot be given terms and required to use those terms for free, free passage. Um, I'm not going to do it. That's that's what I'm saying. That's mm -hmm. basically what I'm saying. I'm not going to do it. People can do it. You know, if you if you have uh, grown accustomed to feeling guilt, you like it. Um, you've grown accustomed to being accused of being something or someone that you're not and you like it. Uh, then as as President Obama said, you can keep it if, if you I don't like it. Say I, that I don't, again. I, well, you know, President Obama said, said if you if you like your health care, you can keep it. Oh. If you like your guilt, you can keep it. <laughs> if you like being accused regularly um, for being someone or something that you're not, then you can keep it. I, I don't like it. And, and I don't think it's fitting for those of us who are professing godliness, who are professing to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I compare what is happening right now in our country to the agenda, the successful agenda of homosexuals in the 90s, I see a stark parallel that I think cannot be ignored. We talked about desensitization. One of the other things that was required for this for the homosexual movement to be successful. And remember, at its core, it is to destroy the foundations of this country. Mm -hmm. But in the foundations of this country, and this is God's amazing grace, in the foundations of this country is a right fear of God underpinned by the presence of the church mm. in America. Mm -hmm. Guys, so in other words, <laughs> in order to really, truly get it to crumble, mm -hmm. the last sort of foundation yep. is the church. Yep. That's that's why this is so spiritual in nature. You can't look, man, it, it, it's not about the politics of it. Mm -hmm. That 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 fight has already been won. Yeah. You you know, we, we're talking we're talking about our Supreme Court justices. Man, you know, I don't want to go too far off my topic here, but, you know, because, yeah. Will, you always ask the question. You say, man, why is it that it seems like the conservatives, not not only talking about our representatives and our senators, mm -hmm. um, not talking about our presidential appointed justices. You know, why does it why, why does it seem like those who are the conservatives always seem to sway and bend in the direction of wicked? But the wicked don't do that in the opposite direction. No, don't come toward righteousness <laughs> because the wicked know what they're about. Mm. And they state that up front. In fact, you're not going to even be nominated to be a justice if you don't pass this litmus test. Right. But the conservatives continue on thinking that, you know, if we keep doing the same thing. We're going to get different results or the results that we intend. So what I'm saying is the fight remains for the church. That's that's where the fight remains. And you want you want to see your children transformed. You want your children walking through the halls of Congress. Then you can't keep just throwing them away. You can't keep giving them to the culture. Right. Because for for some of us, it's our children who are out there in these marches. Come on. Come on, man. Like, I mean, like, it's not it's not even your elected official. Right. It's your children. The ones that you served bacon and grits to. <laughs> They're out in these marches. So if we want something different in America. If we if we do, then we have to look at the spiritual implications of where we That's are right. right now. That's right. right now. 
So I'm not going to be conformed to this world. I'm, I'm not going to be using the terms that people um, have, have thrown out for me and said, this is what you got to use back to the book after the ball. One of the things that uh, that um, uh, Marshall Kirk and Hunter Madsen knew was that they had to create victims who were not responsible for their own outcomes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> victims who did not choose what has caused them to be a victim. Does it sound familiar today, guys? Mm -hmm. Victims who did not choose what has caused them to be victims. This is not a choice that I made. There's no, and, and today, there's no personal responsibility. It's all over something that I have no choice over, the color of my skin. And why do you need these victims to not have chosen their circumstances because then you feel sorry. Mm. Then you feel guilty. You feel like no one should be mistreated for something over which they have no control. Well, if this were merely a talk about color, then you're absolutely right. But this is not a talk about color. This is a talk about situations and circumstances by which people make choices every single right. day. Right. but expect not to be adversely affected by those choices. Right. It doesn't work that way. That's not how it works at all from after the ball. Here we go. And they're talking about who gets to be in the forefront of the campaign, um, <laughs> those that need to be the faces of it. Okay, mm -hmm. this is principle number five here. Um, I wrote in the margin how we were duped. <laughs> <laughs> but this is principle number five. Portray gays as victims, not as aggressive challengers. At least not initially. Hmm. Remember, this was all sparked and driven by the victimhood narrative. So that then, so then eventually you can have the aggressors. But it's because people have already been won over. They've already been caught up emotionally. And they feel like it's actually justified. There should be this outrage. It's right. Do it. Why? Because innocent victims. And don't get me wrong. We have seen the faces of some innocent victims. Mm -hmm. But far more of them have not been innocent victims. But that doesn't matter. Because if it moves us toward our end, if it moves us toward Marxism, if it moves us toward the great takeover, then that's what we have to have. After the ball, quoting, <clears throat> It cannot go without saying, incidentally, that groups on the farthest margins of acceptability, such as NAMBLA, <laughs> North American Man Boy Love Association, all right, must play no part at all in such a campaign. Suspected child molesters will never look like victims. Because remember, we have a certain look that we're going for. That's why some people don't fit the mold today. Because we have a certain look that we're going for. Well-crafted, well-designed. This worked in the 90s. So why wouldn't it work today? I'll continue. Now, two different messages about the gay victim are worth communicating. <clears throat> First, the public should be persuaded that gays are victims of circumstance, that they no more choose their sexual orientation than they did, say, their height, skin color, talents, or limitations. And then they put in parentheses, we argue that, for all practical purposes, gays should be considered to have been born gay, hmm. even though sexual orientation for most humans seems to be the product of a complex interaction between innate predispositions and environmental factors during childhood and early adolescence. 
In other words, we know it isn't true, but right. they are to be made to think that a person mm. is born homosexual. And that's what they will argue. <laughs> Guys, you remember Even though this? it's not true. <laughs> you remember this? You, rem- you mm. remember this? And now, having successfully planted that flag, mm-hmm. they were then free to move toward, yeah, you know what? No, no, we're not. I, it's, it has nothing to do with how I'm born or what can change or what can't change. I'm saying I can be whoever I want to be. And you know, one thing that even some in the church adopted that notion. And so it's almost like, okay, we got it now. Yes. Yes. But listen to this. Listen to Madsen and Kirk here. This mm-hmm. is very interesting. And I, I want you to, again, I, it cannot be missed. Think in terms of where we are now. Okay. They go on to suggest in public that homosexuality might be chosen is to open the can of worms labeled moral choice and sin and give the religious a stick to beat us with. <laughs> Straits must be taught that it is as natural for some persons to be homosexual as it is for others to be heterosexual. Wickedness and sedu- sed- seduction have nothing to do with it. And since no choice is involved, gayness can be no more blameworthy than straightness. When there is no choice involved, no one is responsible for their actions. <laughs> so to discriminate or to think logically about what people should and shouldn't do must be thrown out, right? Because these people have no control over their actions. This is not, so, so what wow. we see pervasive in the inner cities cannot be a question of morality, no, it is about something that is immutable. It's not about choice. It's not about delaying gratification. It's not about setting up the family as the backbone of our society and our culture. Nope, it's not about that. It's just the color of your skin. So that's why you see LeBron James is a victim of systemic racism. You see, there's got to be some external cause for which no one else has any control. It's always them. They did it. It's not me. I'm the victim. And why? Because ultimately where where you have to go when you have a quote unquote legitimate victim, then you get endorsements. And see, the endorsements of the 90s were the celebrities. Mm. This is my friend. So and so is gay. And so what did that say? Well, Matson and Kirk posited that what that would communicate is that these people are to be liked. Look, I'm a celebrity. I like them. You should like them. You should accept their lifestyle. So then it causes this conflict within, as these researchers put it, within the straight's mind. Wait a minute. I like actor X. (laughs) Actor X likes and endorses homosexual B. I either stop liking actor X or I start liking and accepting homosexual B. Mm. So today the same thing is happening with BLM. All of these companies are giving money to this organization. All of these celebrities are standing up and chanting that this is right. The church is following suit. I've either got to follow suit and get in line with all of these endorsements, right? So that means I've got to agree with everything that this organization is pushing out. Or I've got to stop shopping at these stores. I've got to stop 
liking these actors, these athletes, and all of these other things. You're left with no choice. And because we are consumer-driven, they know you're left with no choice. Mm. What I'm telling you is that we have been here before. And for some reason, we didn't get it in the 90s. But we must not be conformed in 21st century America. We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.